The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Surprise, surprise, it is not Pastor Jimmy. It is uh, your friend, I hope, Shay. I want to welcome you guys to Overland Park Community Church. If this is your first time visiting, I want to be the first to welcome you. Um, I'm an associate pastor here on staff. Our fearless leader, Jimmy Holbrook, is in the back, laid up on some crushes. Uh, He did have knee surgery this week. All went well. I'll tell you, though, man, in lieu of the softball tournament on Labor Day weekend, man, I'm kind of pumped, man. Jimmy's team is not looking good right now. (laughs) His team's not looking good, uh, but it's not nearly as bad as that beard Preston's trying to grow. (laughs) Oh, man. I had, I had to do it. I had to do it. Okay. Well, I love you guys, and they, they love me. Uh, okay, here we are, man. So, like, we find ourselves um, coming off of last week. I actually wasn't here last week. Apparently, Jimmy preached about me dying. So, I guess that, that's the good news, uh, is that I am still here by the grace of God, and... Um, uh, but I was down in Arkansas. Um, my, my grandmother had passed away. She went to be with the Lord, uh, which is good news uh, for us and the family and for her. And so I got an opportunity to preach uh, the, my grandmother's funeral, and that was a neat experience for me. I, 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 my first funeral I've ever preached, actually. And um, I was encouraged by that. Like, I got to honor my grandmother and her life, and, uh, but, you know, really a, a primary function of a funeral service is to give hope for, for the living, Right. Um, and so, anyway, it was cool, man, to be able to encourage my family uh, in a season of death and knowing that some of them are saved and some of them are not saved. So, anyway, I'm welcomed back this week and happy to be here. Um, so, in Acts chapter 9, uh, we're going to be in, in verses 32 through 43, okay? Acts chapter 9, um, verses 32 through 43. And we're going we're gonna to read about God uh, doing the miraculous through Peter. Um, and, uh, and I, I want you guys to look at this sermon through the lens of how does God want to work the miraculous through you? Um, now I don't expect us to go around raising people from the dead and, uh, doing things like that. Although I believe absolutely God could do that through us. Uh, that's not what I mean. And, and I'm going to make some, uh, some parallels, um, and some application for us today in, um, the work of God in Peter's life and what that means for the work of God in our life. Uh, what was Peter's heart? How can we mirror that? Uh, and what are some practical things that we can do to grow in our faith today uh, and be courageous for the kingdom of God? So without further ado, let's dive in. Acts chapter 9, verse 32. Now Peter traveled about the country. He went to visit, um, to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda, okay, or Lydda. Now Lydda, or Lydda, is in present-day Lod. And Lod is actually the location uh, where Ben-Gurion, El- uh, Ben-Gurion Airport is in Tel Aviv. Um, raise your hand if you've been to Israel. Anybody in the room been to Israel? Woo! Amen. Man, it's cool. Neat experience. Uh, so if you flew into Israel, you likely flew into the Ben-Gurion Airport there um, on the outskirts of Tel Aviv. You found yourself in Lod, okay? And that's exactly uh, where Peter found himself. There... Verse 33, he found a man named Aeneas, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. 
Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, roll up your mat. Immediately Aeneas got up, and all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Man, it's good news. We'll come back to that. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, and in Greek, her name was Dorcas. Now I'll admit, if, my, if I had a Greek name, I would hope it wasn't Dorcas, okay? And if it was, that you would continue to call me Shay. But nonetheless, man, we see this was an honorable woman. This, this, this woman was amazing. In fact, she's the New Testament version of a Proverbs 31 woman, okay, that Solomon describes. So anyway, let's read on. Uh, she was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body uh, was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please, come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Apparently she was a gifted uh, seamstress, and she would make things for um, the people in the church. Peter sent them all out of the room. He got down on his knees and he prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. And then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. And this became known all over Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. So that's the reading. I want you guys to pray with me, actually, as we get into the text. Lord, I pray that it is you working in me this morning as we bring a message of, of truth, Lord. Like we believe in the Word of God, that it's fully inspired, um, that it is able to teach us all that we need for today. Lord, we ask for your daily bread here uh, from your Word. I pray you would fill me and empower me, Lord, with the Holy Spirit that you've promised uh, to deliver a message that only you can deliver. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are, man. Uh, first thing that struck out to me as I was reading this, and this was a super encouragement to my heart as I was preparing for this text, is that it says that Peter went about all over the country. Peter was all over the place. And I mean, I, I don't need to remind you guys, but they didn't have vehicles. They didn't have airplanes, right? It was 35 miles um, from, uh, from Lydda to Joppa, okay? And so obviously Peter was in, was in Lydda with the paralyzed man, and then he got called over to Joppa uh, to attend to the needs of Tabitha, right? So we know that distance was 35 miles. It doesn't exactly tell us where Peter was just previously before he was in Lydda, but it's safe to say, man, I mean, 35 miles. So I, I've been trying to trim down a little bit. I ran three miles this morning. And I'm like kind of out of shape, you know. I mean, that three miles is legit, man. And I got good-looking Nikes. I've got comfy shorts. Man, I've got earphones. I mean, like I have, I have everything I need to be successful on a three-mile run. And, you know, big boy's still gassed, right? So I can't imagine what it was like for them to be traveling all around the country. Uh, and I can tell you, like, I've been busy. Uh, this has been a really 
busy season in my life. Like, um, you know, obviously I have uh, duties here at the church as an associate pastor, which I'm like so thankful for. Uh, I, I love being uh, in this role here um, at this church, man. I love this church family, and I, I love the, the calling of God in my life, and, and I'm thankful for the uh, the power of the Spirit in me to, to walk that out, right? Like, I, uh, I can bear no fruit for the kingdom of God except for the work of Jesus in me, amen? And so, um, but I mean, I'm also, like, starting a real estate business, right? Uh, I've got four kids. I'm trying to get in shape. You know I mean? These things take time. There's only 24 hours in a day, and you still need to sleep, right? Um, and so, I just can kind of uh, feel Peter here a little bit. Like, when it says, man, it, like, the, 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 the word of the Lord goes out of our way to say that Peter was traveling all over the country, man. Peter was busy. And we too are busy, man. And, and I was reflecting on, okay, Lord, like, what are, you, what are you saying to me here in this? And what might you want to say through me to the church? And I, I thought one is like, there's a difference, man, um, between the Christian and the non-Christian. And there's a reason why in the New Testament it is filled with encouragement from Paul, like to keep running the race, right? To, to don't stop, man. He said, many people run the race, but few run to win, right? And so it's a lot of encouragement for us to keep going. Um, and so uh, I, I thought, you know, okay, here I am, man. I'm busy, and I'm like, there's times in my, in my sinful heart where I'm like, Lord, I, I can barely keep up. Like, I, I, I'm doing, like, the energy that I feel like I have in me, um, which my body is yours, Lord, but, like, I only have an, I can barely keep, like, do the things I need to do in my job, still be a reasonable husband and father, uh, and also, like, stay in shape, maintain a few hobbies to protect my sanity, you know, um, get some sleep, eat some decent food, and, you know, just be a normal, reasonable tax-paying citizen of the United States, like, you know, I could barely keep up, and then I'm like, and then the ministry, Lord, like, what, what do I do with that, Jesus, like, I'm called to make disciples, I'm, uh, you've asked me to, to be an associate pastor at Overland Park Community Church, like, I also lead um, chapel for, for the Kansas City T-Bones, that's eight or nine weekends a year, I'm tied up with the team, and I'm like, running a discipleship group on every Tuesday night, we got a brown to green meeting on Wednesday next week, it's like, I'm like, whoa, I'm like, Lord, how, what is the guy to do, you know? Um, and it's not from a complaining heart. I'm just uh, being vulnerable with you guys to letting you into the things that go on in my mind and in my heart. And what's cool is I'm not dumb enough to know that these things go on in your head too, right? And so I'm hoping to encourage you in this. But um, So I was reading in other uh, Translation. So the New American Standard Version in verse 32 says, As Peter was traveling about the country, he also went to visit the Lord's people in Lydda. And so I'm like, that also just spoke to me. Like, I, it, it gave me a lot of hope and encouragement. Like, because I, like I was feeling gassed this week. And um, the, the Lord, like, when I read that and I was preparing for this sermon, I'm like, yes, Lord, that's it. Like, Peter was busy. Like, I'm busy, but so is every other person in the world. Like, people are just busy, especially in this community, right, that we live in. Like, any major suburban community in America today, man, you got people running around like crazy, right? Everybody's busy, Christians and non-Christians, okay? Like, and so what's different, though, is for the Christian, you have a high calling of God on your life. And so the Lord has asked of you to be busy at work. And to be busy with your family and be busy in your community and, you know, not like over the top busy where you're running yourself into the ground. But, um, you know, you, 
things, uh, undesired feelings can start to creep in. I want to, I want to uh, briefly send us over to 2 Corinthians. I lost my little placeholder there, but that's all right. Lord will, Lord will send me there quickly. 2 Corinthians 6. Will you guys turn with me there for a second? 2 Corinthians 6, man, the Lord just gave me this. He put it on my heart as it relates to this idea of being busy. Christians and non-Christians are both busy, but there is a high call of God on your life to seek first the kingdom of God, right? And so the trick is, how do we do that? Like, how do we seek first the kingdom of God? How do we look into the things of the Lord? How do we make disciples? How do we love people for Christ? How do we lead people into a deeper relationship with Jesus and still have all this stuff going on in our lives? Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 6, we put, starting in verse 3. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. And listen to this. Listen to this list of things Paul assures us will happen to us as part of pursuing the ministry of God. Listen to this. He says, we commend ourselves in everywhere in great endurance, troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, and riots, and in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. Listen to this. Those are things that he promises us, not like, you know, all of them at one time or anything like that, but without a doubt, you will experience sleeplessness. You will experience hunger. You will experience hardships, distresses. It's going to happen. But look how we carry ourselves. That's what's most important is in purity, verse 6, in understanding, with patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, and, and in truthful speech, and in the power of God with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good, genuine, yet regarding as imposters known, and yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet rejoicing, poor but making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and we've opened our hearts wide to you. We are not withholding our affection whatsoever, but you are withholding yours from us. So as a fair exchange, I speak to you as my children, open wide your hearts. I think the Lord is asking us to open our hearts wide today to the, to the call of God on your life. And as, as a vulnerable pastor here on stage, man, I'm opening my heart wide to be used by the Lord in as many areas of life as I possibly can. Like, I believe that God is using me in real estate. I believe he's using me in my family. I believe he's using me um, with my clients, with uh, this church, with this body, with my neighbors, with my friends, etc. Man, God is, is mighty to save. And he wants to use us in every area of our life. But if you feel busy today, don't be discouraged. And if you're feeling some of the, th some of the promises of the, of the marks of ministry, like, let the Lord work through that. And I'll tell you this. When God started, because I'm a young guy, man, I'm 30 years old. I, I accepted Jesus when I was 21, and ever since then, I have felt a call of God on my life. I've never exactly known what to specifically, but uh, like the old saying, wherever you go, there you are, right? <laughs> so today, I'm a pastor on stage at OPCC, so I guess God's called me to be a pastor, right? So I step into that. 
Uh, and then like God told Joshua, be courageous. So I'm doing my best to be courageous in that. And I encourage you to do the same. But expect as you start to get called into ministry. And again, we're all called to ministry. Whether like I'm called in this capacity uh, on stage uh, before you this morning. But every person sitting in every seat in here, no matter where you're at. If you're a disciple of Christ, you are called to be a part of the ministry of the kingdom of God. Right? That's why we're talking about the kingdom series. Man, God is interested in saving souls and raising up other people who know the Lord and honor him with their life and can then multiply, right? Making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? So be encouraged today in that. If you're busy, if you're feeling stressed, if you have things going on, uh, if you're feeling some of the marks of the ministry, start to expect that these things are going to take place, man. The ministry is not easy. Anytime, if you're following Jesus, if you thought giving your life to Jesus and all your problems were going to disappear, you got fooled. I'm just telling you. You got tricked by the devil, and he's good at that. But seek into the Word of God and let it soak in your heart to give you the courage that you need to move forward. So, I want to, uh, coming, coming here to um, uh, Aeneas. So let's talk about Aeneas. So we saw, we see two miraculous things happening in the text. One is you have a paralyzed man, Aeneas, and then you have a dead woman named Tabitha or Dorcas, okay? Now, what's interesting is I see two needs or two uh, situations being addressed here. One is a lameness or a sickness or a disease, which is in Aeneas, and the other one is just outright death, okay, and sadness, Right? So Peter was ministering to, the, to the, not only Tabitha, he raised her from the dead, but he's also ministering to the local church who's hurting. They're sad over the loss of the dear friend Tabitha, an amazing quilt maker and a woman who was very much devoted to um, the things of the church. One thing that's cool that the word says, um, Peter calls out in other um, translations other than mine, it says that she was... Um, a woman devoted um, to helping the poor uh, and always doing good things in the church, and so she did. So not only was her heart in the right place, so were her actions. I felt like that was a word from the Lord today. A lot of us have good hearts. Like, we, we, our intentions are well. Even from a Christian perspective, like our intentions to serve the Lord are good. Our intentions, uh, for some of you guys, man, I know like we're really pushing uh, some of our new leaders in discipleship to go there for and make disciples like Jesus has called you to do. Your intentions are good. That's where your heart is. That's what you want to do, but you're not doing it. And so like, be like Tabitha, man. Like, be honorable before the Lord and step out in courage and say, man, I know my, the Lord knows my heart, but like I need to start being the hands and feet of Jesus. Like I, there, there's some action that needs to take place. And I think Peter uh, and the Holy Spirit went out of their way to record that for us to be encouraged. So regarding paralyzation, I want to talk about, um, so Aeneas, he, 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 what Peter has done is exactly what Jesus did. And so uh, Peter obviously followed Jesus. And as a disciple, right, before the resurrection. So uh, Jesus was raised up. His public ministry began. He called forth his disciples, Peter, of which Peter was one of them. And Peter followed him. Uh, of course, he ended up denying him before he went to the cross. But after God restored Peter on the shores of Galilee, right, he made breakfast for them. And him and John, uh, breakfast by the sea, last chapter in Luke. Um, amazing restoration uh, 
experience for Peter as he had, he had rejected the Lord, but God brought him back in through his grace and mercy. But Peter now has been filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And as we've read in this series, Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's bold. He's got the truth of God in his life, and he's moving forward with the kingdom of God in center focus, right? And what's exciting is, though, Peter, no doubt, as he's coming to Lydda, and he sees this paralyzed man who's been paralyzed for eight years. Um, I, I, I can't help but imagine Peter remembered what Jesus had did with the man in the pool of Bethesda. I think it's Mark chapter 5. I'm not certain. I could be off one or two verses. But um, the, uh, Mark, uh, Mark chapter 5 is the man where Jesus goes to heal the man at the pool of Bethesda, right? You have all these people um, that, are, that, are, uh, that have a sickness or a lameness or a disease or some sort of ailment. And they're all gathered around the pool of Bethesda. And they believe that any time the, uh, the, the first person to go in to disturb the water would be healed, right? But the man is laying in his bed. And he's like, man, I can't get to the water. Like, I'm never going to get healed. I believe it was like 38 years that this man at the pool of Bethesda was lame. And Jesus said to him, take up your bed and walk, right? And so we see here um, where uh, Peter, in verse 34, he says, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. I like that Peter calls out, it's Jesus Christ healing. It's not Peter, right? He's claiming that, man, it is through the power of Jesus Christ. I'm reminded of Peter earlier in the book of Acts with the, with the man at the gate uh, at Solomon's porch, right? And he's begging Peter, and, he's, and Peter said, man, I, I have nothing to give you, but Jesus Christ crucified I do, right? His, Peter had, a, uh, was, was, uh, had a, a habit of letting people know it was the Lord, it was Jesus Christ who could do the healing. And he says, but get up and roll up your mat. It's almost word for word exactly what Jesus told the man at Bethesda. So what I want to remind you guys of, man, is what made Peter successful is he just did what Jesus did. That's all he did. And we too can show a pattern of spiritual success in our life, just success in general, like one that bears fruit for the kingdom of God if we just do what Jesus did. I remember when I was in junior high, they had these bracelets, and WWJD, right? And they were like, do they still have those? Youth kids? Do, do people wear WWJD? I'm about to bring that back. That's pretty cool. It, it, but it was like, it's true though, right? It was like, it, it was uh, little bracelets and it, what, what would Jesus do, right? And it was supposed to serve as a little reminder. Man, I think that the Lord like, you know, wants us to put our WWJD bracelets on and just think in every situation in our lives right now, man, what would Jesus do? That's the question Peter was asking himself. And, um, but take up your mat. Get up. Take up your mat. What I like about that is in the same way that Jesus told the, the, the paralyzed man, 38 years, get up. Take up your bed. Be on your way. There was no provision for a falling back. Like there was no provision um, for any sort of um, uh, relapse. And like maybe that's a word for somebody today. Like if you've been healed by the Lord whether it's from a disease, a lameness, a sickness, or, or just sin, like just flat out sin, like let it, let it be healed. Like you are healed. Like that is, if you have been touched by the grace of Jesus, man, like you are healed. Take up your bed. Be on your way. Like I know, man, that one of the challenges I have, and I have a soft, a very soft and tender heart for those in the recovery community, those suffering from drugs and alcohol. I struggled with it myself. That's part of my story. But one of the things that irks me, man, is in, in recovery circles, 
they teach you that like once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. And that is, I don't see that in the scriptures, man. I see take up your bed and be on your way. Take up your mat and walk, bro. Like, don't make a place for any uh, recession or any relapse or falling back, you know? If God's given you victory over something like Adderall, throw the pills out, man. Don't think that you're going to maybe need it to come back to, to, to care for your problems six months from now. If you struggle with alcohol and Jesus sets you free, man, get all the booze out of your house. If you've been smoking pot for 20 years and God told you there's no place for that because Jesus wasn't smoking pot, then get it out. I remember, man, I smoked weed for seven years, and when Jesus told me, I I came to the realization when I had the eyes like Peter did, and I thought, man, when I went to Israel, it was when Molly and I went to Israel, and I started looking at other people that followed the Lord and loved him with all their heart, and I realized, man, these people don't smoke weed. They love Jesus. They don't smoke weed. And the Lord was like, no doubt, bro, you need to get rid of your weed. And I'm like, man, I've got a lot of it, Lord. And I got a lot of pipes and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, that's fine, man. Throw it away. And my first, my sinful thought was, well, maybe I'll give it to my buddies. They'd be pumped, you know. The Lord was like, no, man. Tick up your bed, bro. And I couldn't, I was so excited. I couldn't wait to get home. Flew back from Ben Gurion to Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. Drove to Northwest Arkansas. Walked into my little apartment, man. And I threw all my stuff away. And to, to never be seen again. Like, and praise the Lord for that. It is his power in me that has set me free from that, but it's not like, oh, maybe I'll save a little nug in this jar just in case I, I get worried or get a little anxious. I can hit the ball and be fine. No, man, it's total trust and dependence in Jesus. It's Jesus Christ who heals you. And so let it be, right? Let it be. Maybe that's a word for somebody. And then regarding uh, Ta- uh, Tabitha, right? So, so Peter... Um, uh, he goes to, to Joppa, and he goes to comfort these people, man. And he, you know, I, like I kind of had that similar experience this past week, man, where it's like my grandma died, and I'm going to miss her. I love her. I know she knew the Lord. But, man, it's difficult when you're seeing people go through hard times, you know, and you're trying to figure out, Lord, how, how do I comfort these people? What do I say to them, you know? Um, well, you bring, the, you bring the truth to them, and, and, you, and you do it in love. Like, and sometimes just being there for somebody um, can mean the world to them. And so that's exactly what Peter did. Peter was so busy, like we talked about in the beginning of the service. He was so busy, but not too busy to continue the work of the Lord that God called him to. So I want to encourage you in that. It's okay to be busy, but don't ever be too busy that God can't use you in a, in a, in a moment's notice. Peter heard in a moment's notice there was a need at Joppa. 35 miles, he was gone, no problem. He was there. He was committed. He went to and pursued the Lord. One of the last things I want to share with you guys is um, a nugget I felt like the Lord gave me that um, in verse 40, it said, Peter sent them all out of the room, the mourners. I, I, I'm reminded when uh, J. Iris, um, the religious leader, had brought his child to Jesus and wanted her to be healed. She was, she was dead, right? And Jesus goes in the room, and he says, she's not dead, for she is sleeping. And they started mocking Jesus. They're like, are you kidding me, man? She's dead as a doornail. And they were mocking him. They were making fun of him. They were quite uncertain that she was going to be healed, let alone raised from the dead. They weren't sure what was going to happen, but they were mocking her. Jesus sent him out of the room. He sent him out of the room, He raised her from the dead. Peter, doing what Jesus did, being reminded of his Lord, being reminded of the model that the perfect Christ gave him, sent them all out of the room. He just sent the mockers out of the room. Maybe this is a word from the Lord, too, for somebody today. It it was for me. 
Man, if there's voices in your head, like if, if the kingdom of God's trying to move forward, you're trying to get resurrection life in something in your life, you're trying to bring new wine, Jesus is trying to bring new wine out of you, man, you might need to get the mockers and the mourners out of your life. Maybe they're people, maybe they're websites, maybe they're voices in your head from the enemy, I don't know what they are, but you need to cast them out of the room of your heart. Make no provision for them. And then get down on your knees and pray. So Peter did. He says, then he got down on his knees and prayed. And then he turned toward the dead woman and said, Tabitha, get up. He raised her from the dead. I'm sure Peter was even blown away that she got up. But he knew that the Spirit of God was working in him. And so he did it. So as we land this plane, as usual, I didn't stick to any of my notes. That's okay. I'm trusting in the Lord. The key takeaways are this. Number one, we're all busy, but don't ever be too busy to be used to the Lord. Number two, it is Jesus that heals. Sickness and in sadness. Those are two different experiences, right? When someone's sick or they're lame or they're in sin. So I want to remind you guys, this is a parallel. The paralyzed man is a parallel of those broken in sin, okay? So when someone's broken in sin, maybe it's an actual disease, or maybe it's more of a mental or an emotional uh, struggle. It is Jesus that heals. Remain in him and you will bear much fruit. You may have a friend or a family member that's struggling in sin, that's stricken by the disease that we all know is sin, that separates us from God. And you want to know, man, how, what, what can I do? Jesus tells us in John 15, man, I am the vine and you are the branches, right? Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. If you are apart from Jesus, if you're not in the word, if you don't spend time with him, if you're absent from fellowship, if you don't plug into the local church, if you're not connected to the vine in any way, you will bear no fruit. That is the truth of Jesus. But if you are with him and in him, remaining in him, you will bear much fruit. And it may be that buddy or that friend or that family member that you bring to the Lord or not. Maybe it's not. Maybe God has a totally different calling for you and somebody else that's remaining in, in the vine connected to Jesus comes in and saves him. Nonetheless, if you're praying for that person, man, you have to believe in faith that God's going to do a work there. Number three, and in sickness, like sin, bad habits, hang-ups, take up your bed. I, that's got to be a word for somebody today. Like if you're feeling sick, if you're feeling lame, if you're feeling paralyzed, Jesus is telling you to take up your bed today. Take up your bed. He's saying it both in love and truth and with challenge and grace, all at the same time, in a way only the Lord can, take up your bed today. Make no provision for a fallback. And in sadness, man, put the mockers out and pray. Whatever is saddening your heart, man, cast that as far away as you can and just begin praying. I'll tell you, one of the things that I've struggled with the most in my life is anxiety. And it's weird, and it's embarrassing to say that, but I've gotten over the embarrassing part now. I just trust that the Lord's using it to encourage those who struggle with the same thing. And you don't have to be struggling exactly with anxiety. It could be something else. It could, for, you know, it could be insecurity. It could be financial problems. It could be health problems. Who knows? It, we all struggle. But, man, I, I, like this week, like fresh this week, man, I'm driving to an appointment in Topeka, and I've been feeling a little like Peter, man, traveling all over the country. That's what I do. Not all over the country, but all over the state. And man, I just was feeling like this anxiety. And I'm like, what in the world? I mean, and I've had it before. And, and um, you know, and so I used to take medicine. Like when I first started happening to me, I stopped smoking weed. 
And then I got all this anxiety. And it's like, well, it's probably because I'm not smoking weed anymore. And then it's like, well, yeah, but I got to deal with this, man. Um, and I needed some traction. So I started, I went to the doc, and I'm like, doc, I need your help, dude. I need your help, man. I'm struggling. I'm having heart attacks. My hands are sweaty. I feel like I go to the hospital. I feel like I'm having a heart attack, and I'm 25 years old. That can't be. He's like, true. Your blood pressure is fine. Your heart looks good. We've ran all these tests. You're just panicking. You're struggling. You need to chill out. I'm like, well, I'm trying. <laughs> and uh, he said, man, let's get you a little traction. Take this little medicine, little 10 milligrams, whatever. Well, I took that for several years. And I never, it was always kind of a stumbling block for me. I was thankful to be able to take it because I wasn't in the hospital, and hospital bills are expensive when you're self-employed. But I was like, man, this still kind of stinks. It still feels like there's something there for me that, like, I'm, I'm trusting in this thing to, to save me instead of Jesus, you know. And, Lord, I need your help. And I felt like, man, the Lord was saying, take up your bed, bro. Take up your bed, man. Like, just stop taking it. And like, maybe he's saying that to you regarding something very similar. Maybe he's not. I'm just sharing my story with you um, in hopes that, that somebody has a, a similar experience. But um, what, what I want you to know is like that, that struggle has not ever gone away. And Jesus never promises that the, our struggles will disappear. That's why we started earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 where Paul promises us these are marks of the ministry. You're going to have hardships, man. You're going to struggle. It's going to be difficult. And that's okay. Like, it's going to happen. You know, I don't read anywhere in Scripture where it says, seek pleasure at all costs, no matter what. I've never read that. And, and so, and I'm thankful for that. And so I'm driving down the road, man, and I'm calling my wife, and I'm like, babe, I'm getting hit with it hard right now. Not feeling good. I don't really want to go to this appointment, man, but I'm going to trust in Jesus. Like, it's all good. And sure enough, like, man, the Lord just shows up. Like, I go into that appointment, and man, my heart's like racing at an alarming rate. And I'm like, geez, man, maybe I just need sleep. Maybe I, maybe I need a, a Gatorade. Maybe last thing I need is coffee. What, what do I do? You know, I'm freaking, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm very nervous. And I'm like, man, what, what's the deal? I'm 30. I'm a dad. I, come on, Lord. I'm like, I, what is going on, you know? And I just pushed through it. And I went into that appointment, and I got to encourage these people spiritually. Like, these people were wanting to sell their farm. They had a nice home on 100 acres in north of Topeka. And I, I don't know where they're at in their life, but I did encourage them spiritually. Told them, God sent me there for real estate needs, you know. But I ended up turning out, man, I was encouraging people in their walk of faith. And when I left there, I was fine. I made it home. I hugged my kids. I ate a sandwich and went to bed. Like, it was cool. The Lord is just showing me, man, you know, and you have a real enemy. That's the last thing I'm going to end on, man, is you have a real enemy after your life. And so if things are coming at you and you're like, why is this happening? Because the devil's real. He just is. We're not giving him any glory or any credit, and he has no power for those that are in Christ, but he's still real. And he's going to come after your life, and he's going to trip you up. You just need to seek first the kingdom of God, man. Trust in the word. And like Peter did, this is the big idea. Just remember what Peter did and do exactly what Jesus did. How many times, I'm, I'm reminded, man, like, it was tough for Jesus. Like, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, remember he was praying so hard that he was sweating blood? That he wanted the cup of salvation to pass from him? Like he knew, he knew that, that for the first time in the history of, of, of existence that he would be separated from his father. And he did nothing wrong. Like he did nothing wrong, man. He was sinless. And so like I'm looking into my life and I'm not sinless. But I'm looking at my life going, Lord, aren't I like pursuing righteousness? Like aren't I trying to do the best that I can? And he's saying, yes, you are. Like I love you. 
But that doesn't mean that you're going to be absent of challenge. Doesn't mean you're going to be, you, you just all your problems are going to fade away. That's not what following me looks like, man. But he does promise a life abundant. He does promise a, a life uh, flowing with milk and honey. The promised land of the Christian life is greater than we could ever imagine. On this side of eternity and the next. And so don't be fooled, man. If you're struggling, so did Jesus. But he prayed. He prayed. He said, Father, if, is there any way that this cup would pass for me? The Father said, no, there isn't. You were the perfect Lamb of God, and you must go to the cross to take away the sin of the world. That's the only way it can happen. Jesus says, not my will, but yours, Lord. And that's our prayer. That should be us. Not, your, not our will, Lord, but yours. Yours alone. And like Paul had a thorn in his flesh, I, mine may be anxiety. I may struggle with it the rest of my life, but I can still take up my bed and walk. I can still say, Lord, if you've given it to me to keep me close to you, I'll praise you for it. Amen. And so in your life, man, what are you dealing with right now? And what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do with what you're dealing with right now? Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.com. Dot cc.